Hello, my name is Richard Cox and I'm here with Tim Freak today for the fourth installment of our Deep Awake Dialogue series. And today we're going to be talking about death. Tim, good morning. Good morning. Out of the numerous books you've written, one of them is this book here, In the Light of Death, Spiritual Insight to Help You Live with Death and Bereavement. And in it, you refer to taking a spiritual or a perennial approach to engaging with issues of death, bereavement, suffering, loss. Can you start us off by defining for everyone what you mean? You've written about the perennial philosophy and these different religious and spiritual traditions. What is that and how does it apply to death and bereavement? Uh, the perennial philosophy is a term used to refer to the idea that there is a universal spiritual philosophy underlying all the different spiritual traditions. So whilst on the surface the spiritual traditions look all very, very different, and are, and that's what makes them so interesting, you know, they're really not the same. They're in different places in history, they develop a different vocabulary, they have a different flavour. But when you go to their mystical heart, when you go to the really deep stuff, it starts getting very, very similar. And there's a sense then that what we have with all of these different spiritual traditions is a human wisdom addressing the human condition, a bit like um, anything else which is universal. So an example, for instance, would be you can tour the world and you will find all these different forms of food. And they're all very different. And some is, you know, I would look at widgery grubs and I really don't see it as food, but someone in Australia may or whatever. But it's all food. And fundamentally, it's because human beings need to eat. So it's the idea that spirituality is, in essence, one thing. And there are, at its heart, some common universal truths which speak to us in different ways through these different traditions. And there's a commonality in these traditions of the way death is viewed well there's a there's a commonality in the fact that death is not seen as final and i think it's one of the defining qualities of what we call spirituality that it articulates the human intuition which human beings seem to have had from the very earliest of times i mean right back to the earliest graves that we find there's intimations that human beings believed that there was some sort of continuation which from a purely objectivist point of view, which from the point of view which doesn't believe that, which thinks there's just bodies that live and die, is itself quite extraordinary, isn't it? That human beings should have that, should from nowhere just go, do you know what, I think I carry on and live in a different world. I mean, it's quite a big jump. <laughs> and yet human beings do, and, and have throughout the whole of history, right up to the present day, articulated in different ways, try to make sense of this intuition that the death of the body is not the death of the soul. And so that is a very, very important commonality, uh, which can really, really help because all of us are um, facing the death of the body. So that's, that's true across the, um, the religious spectrum from the, the surface, which you talked about as being very different, and into the depths. What's particular about the, um, to the perennial aspect in the way death is viewed? Well, the, the, the very centre, I would say, uh, of the deep mysticism, which often can be quite different to the stuff on the surface, but the mystical traditions that we find is that everything is fundamentally one. So fundamentally, there's, there's one life, there's one of us 
there is one being coming to know itself through all beings. And each one of us is an expression of that one being coming to know itself as a particular being. And the journey is seen as one that doesn't just take place in one lifetime, but takes place um, in many dimensions, in many, it, you know, through life and death, through life and death. To me, I, I'm a, I, I always want to look for the really simple and obvious thing and try and get it. So one of the things is this, this word soul. And the book I'm writing at the moment really is all about the evolution of soul. What that's referring to is something obvious. You know, when I say the word soul, there's, there's often a whole load of ideas of what that could mean and some rarefied thing. And do we have one or not? And all of those kind of questions. What the, the people who gave us this word in the first place meant by it, I think is absolutely obvious, which is that right now you are experiencing two dimensions of reality very clearly. One is a sensual dimension of body. Here it is. Look, your body. You can see things. You can see the world. You can hear it. And the other is a different type of experience. It's one of imagination. It's of images. It has no existence in space. It isn't anywhere. And yet it's a very, very real experience. And that gets called the psyche, which means soul. We call it sometimes the mind these days. And we often treat it as dismissive, as it was nothing, but actually it's everything. It's a hugely, and it's who, it's who we think we are more than anything else in the world. We think we're that. And that is soul. So the question of life after death is very simple. Does that experience, which is we already having, which transcends life, which is not in the world, does that experience of not being in the world continue when this experience of being in the world stops. When this body experience stops, can that sustain itself? And the answer in the spiritual traditions is yes, it can. Right. And, and yes, it does. And more than that, you wrote the book because you felt um, more than something we can believe. It's something that we can come to experience in some way. And the, the book speaks to that. Absolutely. So what interest, interests me and what most of my work is about one way or another is... Um, this deep knowing that arises, well, I call it being deep awake in the ancient world, it was called a gnosis. It's again, a very center of all spirituality is that you can come into a deep awake or awakened state where you can know something directly about the nature of reality. And it's a, a level of certainty that I find nowhere else. Um, it's, a, it's before ideas. And yet the way that I experience it is this profound sense that, well, to put it in a very, very beautiful and simple form, that life is good and death is safe. Mm -hmm. that, that, that there is underneath all of the horrors of life, which are very real, there is something fundamentally good, which we can experience. And underneath the fear of death, which is fear of this massive transition, there is a knowledge that death is safe. That actually there is, that, that what we're, there is something deeper of which we are a part and which we enter into when the body falls away. And that is a, um, it's a, it's a faith, but not in a set of words. It's a confidence in uh, a, a deep knowing, a deep intuition, which is, it's the realest thing I know, actually. It's, 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 it's it, and it's more like a knowledge, for instance, you know, if I said, there's the knowledge that um, I know how a bicycle works. 
There's that sort of knowledge. And then there's knowledge like, I know I love my wife. Mm-hmm. How do I know I love my wife? I don't know, but I absolutely do. I really, really know that. And it's that type of knowing. I, I really know life is good and death is safe. And you can't fake it. If you do fake it, it's of no use to you. But if you go deep enough within yourself, um, that, is a, there's, that is a reality waiting for you to discover. There's a sense that comes through the book that it's this kind of reimagining of death, I found, from as it's commonly seen as the crap bit at the end of life, the, the, you know, the, the inevitable price you pay, to really the, the spiritual accumulation of life. You quote um, the Sufi poet Rumi in the book as, as saying, to, as, I, as best I can record, um, people think that uh, life would be wonderful if it didn't end in death, but this is nonsense. Life without death is a is a harvest left to rot. Isn't that great? Mm. Yeah, look, there is a profound... This, you know, from this intuition, you know, it turns everything around. So death, rather than being the meaningless end of life, becomes the, the flowering or the harvest. It becomes the point of transition. And you get... You know, it, actually, if life is heading for anywhere, where is it heading? Well, it's heading for death. That is the goal to which we are all moving. Now, either that is seen as something very uh, depressing, or it's not. It's something inspiring. Carl Jung, who is a, a psychologist I respect immensely because he was a great inquirer into the nature of the soul, um, from his own near-death experience and also through the studies with all of his patients, said, look, you know, the, the whole of life, especially the end of life, is all about preparation for death. That this is, a, that, that this is where we um, take all that we've experienced here and can... Um, we, we can make something of it. It's like, you know, that whole thing of you, you, when you, in the Gospels of you can't take it with you. Why store up riches? You can't take it with you. And you really can't. But what can you take with you is your experience. What you are. Everything you've known. Everything you've experienced. And that's what we're doing here. We're accumulating this experience to take with us. And, and, then, and then death ceases to be this um, horror waiting at the end and turns into this paradox, I think. You know, as a paralogical thinker, someone who thinks, is, thinks in terms of paradoxes, to me it looks like, ah, okay, so the very worst thing is the very best thing. Now, there's no pretending that death is not terrible for <clears throat> people who are ill, and having been with a lot of people that are dying, including people I love very closely, I know that all, all too well. And I know also the, the, how, what it feels like to be, to be bereaved, to have someone leave. I know that. You know, there's, no, there's no sweetening of that but i also know that there's the other side of it too that there's also a sense that something incredible has happened and being with saying my mother when she was dying it was my heart was breaking but something incredible was happening at the same time that and 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 there's this well this love this report back from people who've had near-death experiences but also right back to uh, much older works like the tibetan book of the dead or liberation through hearing as it's actually called which is about the, the encounter with what people often call the love light, the clear light of the void is the way it's talked about in the, by the Tibetan tradition. But it's the idea that you come into this, incre- this, this oneness of being, and it's love, this immense experience of love, so that death is love, which is a complete inversion of, of how we see it. Mm. Death is love. 
The other thing which I think is really important, Richard, sorry I didn't interrupt you, just because I touched on it then, I think it's key for me, is this, this, this paralogical thinking, of, think, of seeing that life is paradoxical, really I think is the key with bereavement. Because, you know, when my mum was dying, it was, you know, my heart was breaking. It was really hard to see her go through her cancer and such an amazing, beautiful woman. And yet at the same time, it wasn't just that. It was also, we were in a magical space together sometimes. Transcendent things happened. And all sorts of, so that when people would say, how are you? I couldn't answer the question because I couldn't say it was awful, but I couldn't say it was great. <laughs> and yet it was both of those at once. Well, that, that's, what I wanted to, that's where I wanted to take it next, really, because you, to, to really we've done the philosophical so the, the human aspect of this you developed these ideas by doing some work uh, after having a, a spiritual interest taking that into a death and bereavement setting um you did some work in a hospice am i right about that yeah um, yeah with hospice work and with people who are bereaved and people who die so how did you um how did you find that um application then um, off this kind of philosophy to the reality of sitting with people in that situation? Uh, well, the philosophy, I think, is background for me. Mm. You know, when I'm with somebody who's in that, uh, who's dying, or who is, is bereaved, unless they have a, they particularly want it, it's, it, the philosophy is not the most important thing. The philosophy is what's allowed me to come to an understanding Standing. more importantly the experience I'm having am I how wake am I because what I'm bringing to that person is my presence so what I wouldn't do is sit with somebody and say well I think I'm going to live after death and this is my philosophy and this is what I think because that will fall from my mouth like a brick because something's happening which is so real so intense that those concepts are just not enough but what I felt, found I could bring was the, my state of being, which has arisen from my spiritual exploration. And that was something which was big enough to be with it in love and to allow it and not to close it down, not to deny it, not to try and avoid it, um, not to panic because of it, to not, not to bring anything to it, but just this, ah, oh, hello. And people who are dying are so surrounded by people who, who are, in fear and in understandably uh, so most of the most of the time even if they're either getting oh my god something terrible's happening or they're getting i'm not going to look at the fact that something terrible's happening those are the two things that they're around all the time but to have someone who's going i'm looking at it directly and i'm not going to judge it as something terrible that's happening neither am i going to fill you with ideas my particular philosophy that tells you what it is i'm just going to let it be and i'm with you i'm right here with you and then the opportunity, really what I want to offer them, is the chance to find that deep gnosis themselves, to know for themselves that life is good and death is safe, because that's what they actually need. That's the thing which can really take us through when we know ourselves. I, I had this experience the other day at the, um, the workshop on, on death, which I'll mention in a minute, um, but um, one or two of the participants, um, I felt, were much more comfortable with um, death than I was, um, but not in a flippant way. Okay, just a comfort to where it wasn't um, uh, this, it didn't hold the same fear for them that it would for other people. And there was something transmitting about that level of comfort that it took me into a space of going through my own illusions on it and, and feeling more comfortable 
with it myself when when someone isn't caught up in that mindset of like this great disaster but is is an okayness with it it's it's kind of transmitted in some way yes absolutely all the time that's what we're giving to each other all the time um we give each other our state of being so if you have found that um knowing then people feel it and it's a great thing to offer people and it's a confidence which is not about belief so it's not about buy into my ideology and you'll be okay, which is actually, uh, you know, is desperate, I think, often. It's about something deeper than that. It's about, look, meet me in this deep place and it will be okay. And that is, that's love. That is just a, a, a profound connection. It's quite independent of ideology, really. You don't it really is. share an ideology person it, it really is it really is it's like for me again there's something i write about a lot as it, in these paradoxes there's the mystery and there's the story the philosophy and i think we need both to function i think we need, always need both but at different times one will be more important and we never want to lose the mystery when you lose and, and you and if you want to see the mystery and experience the mystery full on then death's a very powerful place to do it because death will just blow you out of any superficial stories you've got, even the ones you think are deep. One more thing I'd like to ask you about, Tim, there's a section in the book on um, after-death communication, yeah. people who have these experiences. And I think they're, ex they're the kind of experiences that are far more ubiquitous in society than we realize because it's something that happens a lot but people don't talk about so there's studies on about across nations that um indicate by the time people get to be of an old age the majority of people feel very strongly they've had some sort of after-death communication experience in their life but probably not something they would necessarily talk about beyond a very small circle so what's been your experience of that um and really in a I'm thinking in terms of its impact, I suppose, and its, um, its therapeutic impact. Uh, well, I certainly, you know, I've, I've come across huge numbers of people who have had in very different ways um, all sorts of things which could be called uh, after-death communication. And it certainly helps people immensely one of the things which fascinated me in the soul to soul work that i do at, the, at my deep awakening retreats is that people start have started reporting after death communication happening which is a really interesting new phenomenon for me for me personally um i had a very powerful experience of it with my mother which um if anyone wants to to check it out I've, they can just go on youtube and google um, me talking about my mum yeah because that's that there's a whole um i i recorded the interview i not an interview but recorded the experience straight away after it happened because i realized it was so fresh that if i'd left it then i would have lost it mm. or because it was so profound and i think that's often what people feel i mean i know for me it was just a huge huge experience and quite unique not like anything i'd had before so I think that you know, a lot of these things, we live in a culture at the moment, which, you know, we progress, it's like walking, I think, we progress through opposites. So we needed to get ourselves out of this 
superstitious, mythological, religious mindset, which had become fixed. And we did it by just jumping out into the world with this wonderful new uh, scientific uh, experiment, which has given us so much and is really wonderful on the one hand. But it's left us in a place where these perennial um, themes are kind of under the carpet now. You know, if there was a phenomena as widespread as uh, people having after-death communication, but it was made of things, we'd be studying it. But because it isn't made of things, and because it addresses a reality which isn't in the sensual world, we treated it, it, it it's, it, we, you know, people don't talk about it, or if they do, it's in a kind of hidden, more hidden way. So, you know, these are realities we need to address, because otherwise we're, it leaves us in a kind of soul crisis where we're living in a world where we're not addressing the most important things. And one of the most important things, one of the hugely important things, is the reality of death. And how we view that will affect how we live. If we see death as a negative end, then it cannot help but impact negatively on life. Yes. That's what I meant, really, when I, I said therapeutic. Um, it strikes me that even prior to the objectivist age, we also pushed away this connection with after death because Christianity in our culture, there's a big wall dividing this world and the next, which isn't so much there in other cultures. And that wall has been maintained in our more materialist objectivist world. Um, but it's just, it, it leaves us in a strange situation where vast numbers of people would report that one of the most important incidents um in their lives that brought them a sense of peace or resolved uh, suffering and dilemmas that way um by a societal standard would be or, or uh, the modern intellectual standard would be written off as a fantasy and that doesn't quite make sense does it but <laughs> it doesn't and and you know i'm i'm i i want to see a, a, a great openness and for me, that's the importance of standing in the mystery. When you stand in the mystery and fundamentally don't know, it leaves you very, very open to listening to people's experience and looking at the variety of one's own experience in a very open-minded way and, be, and therefore allowing the possibility. And also not jumping to conclusions, uh, but allowing the possibility. And this is, these are immensely therapeutic. I mean, my, my own conclusions through my journey has been, look, I think the nature of the soul is vast. This other world, which we're experiencing at least some of right now is vast and you can go into it and explore it just like you can go into the physical world and explore it. And we do. And an awful lot of spirituality right from its shamanic roots all the way through has been about going off and exploring that world. And death is about going into that world. And, uh, that it seems to me is, uh, a reality. Now, Given that, if we ignore the, that reality, we are going to live not only impoverished lives, but we're going to make it very hard for ourselves. Just like we would if we ignored any other nature of reality. We need to, to see what we're in as deeply as we can. And then we can bring those, the, that understanding and, and also, in this case, the love that arises from the connection to each other. Okay, well, thank you very much for that, Tim. That's been very enlightening. Um, just a final couple of things to say. This book, uh, In the Light of Death, we've currently had it republished, just had it republished as a physical book. Um, so 
it is once again available um, exclusively off Tim's website for the moment. It's also available as an ebook. And um, I'd also like to mention that just recently, I think it was last week, um, we held, some of the people who have been through Tim's training program held a kind of meetup workshop uh, exploring how to take this consciousness-based perspective into the death and bereavement world and how it can have um, function and be of use and helpful and service in that in that in that world so um if anyone's listening to this and interested in connecting on that who, who works in that area would like to know more uh, please drop me an email at richard at timfreak.com and i'd be happy to be in touch with you tim thank you very much i'll see you next time oh, i don't know what we're going to talk about next time um sufism maybe we've got some okay. Islamic recordings coming up so we might do that one okay Thanks a lot. See you then. Bye. Thanks, Richard.